Welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Join John Bernadovich as he embarks on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals to understand what it takes to do HR like a boss. Each week, John chats with professionals with a wealth of knowledge and practical experience to help you tackle HR's biggest challenges. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe, hit the five-star rating, and share it with your HR friends. John is a father, husband, competitive golfer, author of HR Like a Boss, and founder of Willery, a professional services firm dedicated to HR and payroll technology and people. He is devoted to transforming the workplace by empowering the HR and payroll communities to navigate their ever-evolving business landscape with ownership and passion. You're listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast, hosted by John Bernadovich. Welcome again to the HR Like a Boss podcast. I'm your host, John Bernadovich. Really thrilled to have Brian Driscoll on the show today. Brian and I met through this very unique social platform that connects podcasters and podcast guests, as well as Brian mentioned that he saw an HR Like a Boss article in a recent Sherm publication. So gosh, I had to have him on. Really cool guy. Brian, welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Awesome, John. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. All right. So Brian, tell the HR Like a Boss community a little bit about yourself, things you're working on these days, and your passion for human resources. Yeah. So the short version about me is uh, I went to law school uh, and then decided I didn't really like law. Um, or at least the practice of it, um, and sort of transitioned into HR, which was a natural transition, a lot of regulation and compliance issues. So it's good to have that legal background. Um, and for the last uh, last several years, I've been partnering with small businesses uh, across the U.S., uh, helping them navigate some of the challenges of uh, employment, um, employment and labor law challenges, especially in today's remote world where uh, companies are hiring people in new states for the first time. And uh, it's really great to see some of the some of the different types of industries, um, but also help these people, help these businesses stay compliant while keeping an employee centric focus um, in in their HR department. Yeah, compliance is a big thing these days in all things HRs. Things are navigating, changing legislation all the time. At this, at the same time. You got people working for companies that never worked in states, cities, boroughs, countries, for that matter. And it's it's you got to research it. You just can't pay them through your regular payroll system. I'm, we'll get into that in a little bit. But Brian, I'm I'm curious. I, sh- I start all guests out with the same show after they introduce themselves. It's kind of this big audacious goal of mine to to understand the purpose of human resources and get a perspective of of a wide range of people. So I ask all guests, how would they describe the purpose of human resources? People, you, we, we've it, there. There's been a long history in this country of HR being a business protection and asset protection department. In reality, it's a it's a people department. It's a people first, people centric department. And the the purpose of HR, and when I'm talking with my clients and and helping them to develop new policies or work through a difficult situation, is to always keep people in mind because the people are the business's best asset. They're the greatest asset, and that is the asset protection part of HR, protecting the people. And if you don't have a people-centric environment, the morale drops, the attrition goes up, you or it goes down. You you just you you cannot hold on to great employees if you don't value them and show them that you value them. 
And that's why I tell my clients, especially the last few years, study after study after study shows that happy employees make engaged employees, make productive employees, which makes what? The business money. So even if all you care about is that last one, making money for your business, you should still care about your employees' happiness because that's ultimately what gets you the profit that you're looking for. Amen to that, Brian. I wrote my book for that primary reason, and I'll share a quick story, something that I've been grappling with lately. This idea of companies, businesses, sports performers, you name it, they focus on the result. They focus on the win. They focus on the profit where there are so many things prior to you winning a game that you have to do, that you making a profit in a business you have to do. And if we start with our focus on winning and or in the case of a business, making money, you're really going to have some – it's just the culture that you're going to establish within your organization, on your team, whatever the case might be, is going to end up being toxic, frankly, because people realize you don't care about me. You care about making money. And I want a bunch of people that enjoy what they're doing. They're engaged at their work, and they want to help the business make money. There's a, there's a simple formula to do that. I'm, I'm sure as a converted attorney to a small business HR consultant, you probably had to have some unique conversations with people in your life, loved ones that supported you through your law school degree, and then all of a sudden say, hey, I don't want to practice law anymore. I'm going to go do this business consulting thing. Maybe a scratch your head moment. I'm, I'm curious in all that, in those conversations you've had with loved ones and clients and prospects of yours, how are those businesses making sure they're being people-centric as they navigate through all the harebrained crazy things that you're they're coming to you about as as the i got an issue brian help me out here simply taking a second um uh, again to go to some studies uh, if if you're asked a question and you wait three seconds you are better uh, equipped to hear what the person said hear what the person is asking of you and create a formulated uh, accurate response to their question, whatever whatever the topic may be. And that's the same, same approach with people-centric HR. Just take a second and think, what benefits the people in this question? In whatever dilemma I'm having, whatever issue I'm facing, whatever HR or, or compliance matter is in front of me, what is, what is the people-centric response to this? What is the, the best answer to this, to this dilemma? And always keeping people in mind, having that empathy um, uh, for, for others in different situations, understanding that it's not just a piece of paper in front of you. Like if you're doing a, a you know, redlining um, and, and making, deciding where to make cuts in your, in your business, so looking at it from, from a people perspective and saying, what, what is the best option here for the whole team? Because ultimately that's going to benefit the whole company. And the production that whatever your whatever widget you're making, that is going to get you to that business profit that you're looking for. Yeah, no, Brian, I got to tell you, I know you read my article in the HR magazine, and I don't know if in particular that section, I, I wrote in the book one of those kind of unique experiences, as I'm sure you've done as a, as a lawyer and attorney and as a consultant, when you write things out. Sometimes you read them back and you're like, oh my gosh, that was really bad. <laughs> I, can't, I can't let people see that. That was one of the cool things about writing a book. It got all the bad ideas out of my brain. But there are a few couple good ones. And one that stood out to me is this, this purposeful commitment, which we talked about inside of every business. We created this HR Like a Boss scorecard. Next from there is people-centric. You got to have a purpose in your business. You have to find a way to connect people to your purpose and be people-centric in what you – it's almost like, Brian, you've read the book 
which by the way, comes out October 24th on Amazon and all your favorite retailers. And you can also get it on the Sherm store for a discount for all Sherm members. So please make sure to check that out. And also too, Brian, I got to take a moment to give a shameless plug to the company behind the H Like a Boss podcast, which is Willery. It's near and dear to my heart. As you may know, listeners, Willery is a staffing and consulting firm. It's focused on people and technology. So we deliver staffing services, not only direct hire, but staff augmentation, temporary contract for all positions in HR and payroll. In addition to that, our tech practice has a very unique specialization in client-side support, helping companies optimize their HR, payroll, and benefits technology. So if you're struggling to find talent in your HR payroll team, or you're not getting that ROI on your HR tech, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right, so bored you to death with the shameless plug to our sponsor and about the book. You all want to hear more about Brian's career and some of the harebrained things maybe throughout him being an attorney, converted HR business consultant. Tell me a couple stories, Brian, of things that when a client called looking for advice, you had to scratch your head and like, oh my gosh, how did you get yourself into this? Thank you for calling me. Let's get you out of it. I think one of the uh, one of the the most hair raising um, over the last couple of years that I've had to deal with, probably the most uh, in, in my entire career. Um, one of my clients um, was starting to see some morale drip uh, in in their team, in their very small business. They were um, less than twenty five employees at the time, and I'd been with the company for a couple of years, helping them grow their company, helping build up. Um, the the workforce and and sort of develop some good policies and some good structure within the organization. Um, it turns out that the owners of the company um, went to DC on January sixth and um, spent time at the Capitol that day. Um, it started to be a slow drip. Some employees started to learn about it. And um, then started to withdraw even more uh, and eventually quit. They lost about half the workforce within uh, within about six months, um, including myself. I, I left as well. Um, that was not something I could fix. Um, that was a, a true um, turning point for a lot of people at the organization where it was like, this is regardless of where you stand, I'm not okay with, with that type of activity. Um, and a lot of people left because of that. Uh, like I said, about half within within six months. Um, and that is, you know, sometimes you can't fix things. Um, and that was one. I'll be honest, I couldn't fix. I couldn't. I couldn't help with that. There was just too much damage. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely the the most difficult one. Also, because it's something that I, I couldn't I couldn't help with. Um, I couldn't help reshape the 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 um the perception that employees had i couldn't help them see the positives because it was overshadowed by this one massive negative um yeah that that one was tough yeah so on that one brian i think you you find out pretty quick your chance to really make a moral compass decision on that 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 situation again this is not a political show i don't, i don't mix politics and business i don't think that's a good thing to do in my opinion, but you end up having to make a choice. People made a choice. People walk, you know, they, they talk with their feet, in my opinion. They, they tell you how they feel by where they are and what they're doing. And I think at the end of the day for you, which I think is pretty cool, not not that 
that situation probably felt cool, but you, you know, you arrive as a small business owner, when you can fire a client, you can walk away from them and say, I don't need this business. I don't feel comfortable with it. And I don't want to be associated with this situation, your, your choice to make and a chance to walk away. So kudos to you on that. And certainly appreciate in some situations, you can't fix the problems that your clients create. Now, one of the unique challenges, I'll segue off of that to this idea of small businesses growing virtually because of the global pandemic and COVID-19 and everything that came about this, this digital workforce that, that came out of it, everybody went virtual, had to, forced to, and then all of a sudden we adjust and you realize, oh my gosh, I can find a really great employee 300 miles away and I can hire them and they can still do a good job or better job in some places. So I'm curious, what are some of the challenges some of your small business clients have faced when they go and hire an employee, let's say 300 miles away in a totally different state, sometimes in a totally different region? Tell me what tell me what you do, the support you provide, and, and some of the tips you have for the HR Like a Boss community. Yeah, some of the actually the biggest challenge so many of them face is simply not knowing what they need. Um, and that that's where I can come in and and help them not only understand what it is that they need, but help them get what they need. Um uh here a random example, you know, you have somebody in in a state like Florida um who's been operating in Florida for for years and only hired people within Florida. Now they find, let's say they need a, a software developer. They can't find anybody in Florida who's great, or maybe it's the start of the pandemic. They've gone remote. Now they hire somebody from California. They find some great remote worker uh, who works with their organization, works with their culture. Um, but now they're paying somebody who's a California employee. Now they're subject to, potentially subject to uh, California's more progressive laws than what Florida has, more people protective laws than what Florida has. And a lot of a lot of small business owners and, and HR departments of one just don't know that, uh, don't know that they are subject to those new state's laws. Um, and so it creates some challenges, especially as companies grow. Do we have two handbooks and two policies, one for the California employees, one for the Florida employees? Do we merge them together and go with the 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 California, the most, the most protective state? Um, you know, how do, how do we manage all of that? There's, there's a lot that goes into it, starting with the business registration in California. You've got to pay unemployment taxes. You've got to uh, provide for certain levels of PTO that, that Florida doesn't have, along with a lot of other benefits that are required. Um, so it, it's a lot of that truly from the, from the base level up, um, from the business registration right on up through to years later, how do we handle the discrepancies between having employees in multiple states and the different laws that we have to abide by. How do we make it easy or efficient on the HR administration processes? Um, and that's that's a different answer for for every company, but one that I'm happy to help guide through and, and provide pros and cons for, for each way. And you can always start one direction. You can always say, let's merge everything together, just do one, one policy handbook, and then change direction if you want to. It, you, you never set in stone. Yeah, it's cool. No, I understand uh, having worked in the space for my entire career, uh, certain regions, I, I I was, for an extreme example, you went Florida to California, which I think was pretty cool because California has, has been described as its own, at times, own part of the world outside of the US based upon some of the regulatory requirements. And as you described the legislation and the way that you have to do business in that particular area. So I think the main thing that Brian's suggesting there is, let's go back to his advice he said before, take a second. Take a second before you make that move, ask a few questions, Google search, ask ChatGPT, call Brian Driscoll, and they'll give you that insight on uh, what you should expect by making that decision. 
All right. So Brian, the book that's coming out October 24th is called HR Like a Boss. The article you read about on Sherm's publication was HR Like a Boss. This podcast, as I'm sure you know, and everyone listening to it is called HR Like a Boss. So I get all guests out of the show with the exact same question. How would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? Empathy. It it, it comes down to that empathy um, for the people uh, because it's not you're you're not a department that is just looking at numbers. For example, you're not just you know paying the the credit card bill and and collecting invoice receivables. You're dealing with people, and you have to have that empathy, and you have to that that helps with the trust and transparency that comes along with it. People have to feel comfortable coming to HR to say, "I have a problem," and here's what it is, and HR has to not only be empathetic enough with that person to sort of put themselves in those shoes as best they can to see what that person is going through, but also have the legal tools and knowledge to be able to deal with that situation, to be able to help that person through the situation, whatever that situation may be. Um, and again, going back to, to something we talked about at the very top, it the, the HR historically has been sort of a business asset protection. And I think that Asset protection is still a way to describe HR, but we're shifting the focus from asset protection being the business's assets of cash to the business's assets of people, the most important asset the business has. And that's, that is how you HR like a boss. You have empathy, you keep it people-centric, and to the point you just made, you stop for a second and think, what is the best solution here? What is the most empathetic solution? What is the people-centric solution? Yeah, I call it this unique triangulation that happens inside of a business, which is the people, the business, and the community that you're serving, in my opinion. Wherever your business is, you are a steward to that community. And I think sometimes people, business owners, executives grapple with where our priority is. Let's fo focus on the business. Let's drive profitability. And then you get a business that's maybe too people-centric. And I'm not saying that that's an, an extreme, but maybe it's too people-centric or they do those things. They don't even recognize what they're doing in their community. And you'll see movies made about the fact that they oversights or egregious, just, just doing things that are, are not best for the world, not best for the place they live. I think doing HR like a boss. And the reason why I wrote this book is this triangulation, this harmony between those three those three corners, the community, the people, and the business. And Brian, I really appreciated you being on the show today. I'm going to do a quick recap of some of the really wise things that you shared. You started off, first and foremost, simply put, the purpose of HR is people. And you reiterated that with this idea of people-centric. And you said a few times, which I hope people heard, is when you're faced with a question, faced with a situation, faced with a new challenge that may be in front of you. Take a second. Brian suggested three. If you need more, that's okay. I love people that tell me, hey, John, I need time to process what you just shared with me. That means they're giving it the thought and they're going to respond with a high degree of emotional intelligence and, and, and intellect in that idea. And then last but not least, you talked about doing HR like a boss is about having empathy for people. And I have this kind of progression in my mind of how typically businesses or other organizations or however you want to call it, treat people. They treat them with the issues that the business faces that relate to people. They deal with it with apathy first. That's your first choice. I can just completely be indifferent, ignore this, don't care, don't tell me what you want. 
I can be sympathetic. And when someone's having a challenge, sometimes the worst thing you can do is be sympathetic to them. This idea of empathy is a buzzword that's hit for the last, I'd say last two, three years, especially since COVID. And we were all in that same unique challenge. I take it one step further and say, empathy is not enough. You have to have empathetic action. I heard what you said. I put myself in a mile. I walked a mile in your shoes. I felt what it was like, and I did something about it. That to me is doing HR like a boss. Brian Driscoll, thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you enjoyed it and hope the HR like a boss community grabbed a few pieces of wisdom from the great things that you shared on the show today. Wonderful. Thank you for having me, John. It was a great time to to chat with you about, about all these challenges. Thanks for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you're in for a treat with the book, HR Like a Boss. It's filled with more stories and valuable insights that can truly impact your HR career. The journey doesn't end here. Visit www.hrlikeaboss.com to join the largest community of amazingly awesome human resources professionals who are committed to doing HR Like a Boss. Stay connected with us on social media and don't forget to hit that subscribe button, rate, and review. Your feedback helps us deliver content that matters to you. Reach out to join directly at john at willery.com. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.